The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Good to be back, folks. It is so nice to be in front of this microphone, to have the theme music back again, to be back doing this show, sitting in this chair with my dog at my feet, keeping my feet warm. Molly is here, by the way. This is one of those episodes where Molly is in the room. I could not keep her out because she just wanted to be here with Daddy. So if you hear a dog randomly walking around the room and it picks up on the mic, or you hear you know barking or teeth grinding or whatever just just let it be because we all want the dog to chill in the room right right I'm back it's so good to be back all right I said a month ago that I was gonna be putting the podcast on hiatus because I'm working on a project and so if I'm here you're probably thinking oh is the project done no the project's not done but what actually wound up happening is I miss doing this show so damn much that I'm just going to try to do both at probably great expense to my health and well-being because there's not enough hours in the day, but I just missed you guys too much. I missed talking to you. I missed talking about the music industry. I missed talking to the guests. And so I'm going to try to do both. I'm going to try to keep working on this project while keeping the podcast going because, I, you know... Look, I heard you guys on Twitter. Y'all were just blowing me up on Twitter, and I was getting emails from you guys saying, when's the podcast going to be back? When's the podcast going to be back? So, uh, fine, fine, fine. I'm here again. No more hiatus. This is me actually talking with some new stuff, and man, I know it's going to make me so tired to do this while still working on my project, but it's all good, people. And actually, my timing particularly sucks because I'm actually traveling for the next two weeks. So I got to figure out how to do the episodes while I'm traveling for work for the next two weeks. But that's a me problem, not a you problem. Don't worry about it because I want to be here for you guys. Uh, quick note about the show. I'm you might see me sort of retooling with the format for the next few weeks as I've had a chance to step away from the show for a little bit. It's given me some time to figure out, well, how can we change the show you know, I don't want to just settle into a routine and let bad habits kind of build up. How can we make it better? And so one of the things I want to do starting this week is we're going to have shorter episodes. Uh, I've read that the average commute for most people is 25 to 30 minutes. So I want to try to keep the episodes in that range, kind of keep things tighter, more information in a less amount of time. So we're not dragging stuff out. But we still want to do the same kind of stuff. We're still going to have guests. We still want to talk about pop culture and things like that. But we want to kind of give it to you in a more compact format. And you'll see some other changes too along the way, I imagine. And we'll just see how it goes. But either way, still talking about the music industry. Still talking about pop culture. Still talking about how we can help indie artists like you move your careers forward. Our guest this week coming up in the next segment, Clara Sharon. She is a music industry consultant and blogger from Ottawa, Canada. She hosts this cool weekly music industry advice show on Facebook Live called Pop of Color Live. Check it. You can also check her out at popofcolormusic.com and that is color with a U for us Yanks. You got to remember that. Um, we're hoping to get some good tips from her in the next segment. She's super fun, bubbly, and uh, really smart and knowledgeable about this stuff. So that's going to be a great interview. Don't go anywhere for that. But before we bring her in, let's talk a little bit about the news uh, before we talk to the guest. A lot of stuff happened while we were gone. 
And there's just not enough time for me to go over all of it. All right, there's you know a lot of stuff with the Music Modernization Act and a lot of Spotify announcements and just all, all kinds of craziness. And it's going to take us some time to catch up and talk to you guys about what the important news is. But one thing that is on my mind that I do want to talk about this week because this is something that our podcast sort of predicted. If you're if you're a fan of this podcast, you know that. Our podcast often sucks when it comes to making predictions. And by our podcast, I mean me. I mean, I'm terrible at making predictions. I had predicted at one point that Kesha was going to win the Grammy for Best Pop Solo Performance. I called it a lead pipe lock. I was ready to bet my mortgage on it, and I was wrong. I completely whiffed on that one. So we're not good at making predictions around here. But one of the things that we did predict back on episode 118 was that Neil Portnow was eventually going to lose his job as president of the Recording Academy. And about a week and a half ago, Neil Portnow announced that he's going to be stepping down as president of the Recording Academy when his contract expires in 2019. This announcement comes in the wake of criticism that he received earlier this year. You guys know there were some complaints. He said, uh, people said to him, well, why do you think there's a lack of women among Grammy winners? And he said, well, female artists need to, quote, step up. And that was sort of the beginning of the end. So Portnow is going to be gone. And what this represents for the Recording Academy is a fantastic opportunity, a golden opportunity, in fact, for the Recording Academy as they elect a new president. You know, a new president can mean new priorities. It can mean a new approach to the music industry. It can mean moving us out of the 20th century and finally into the 21st century, 18 years too late. And so what I would recommend to the Recording Academy in terms of what is important to the people who listen to this podcast as well as for the people in the music industry as a whole is there are two priorities, two priorities that I would want the Recording Academy to emphasize. One, create a more artist-centered music industry where indie artists can thrive. So for all you guys listening out there, that's what you should want in a new president. Somebody who's thinking about you, thinking about your interests. So that's thing one. Priority number two for this new president, whoever uh, he or she may be, is to create a music industry that is safer and more hospitable for women in music. This is going to be huge, guys, especially in the wake of Neil Portnow's step-up comments and especially in the wake of the Me Too movement. It is time for this kind of initiative. It is time for a Naris president to step up and say, we are going to make things better for women in music, period. Let's think about these two goals because on the surface, these two goals can seem super different making things better for indie artists, creating a more indie artist-centered music industry, and making the music industry separate for women. These seem like two different priorities, but in reality, they're actually quite similar. They feed into each other because if you want to create a music industry that's better for women, you need to create a music industry that is easier for artists to achieve success on their own. You can't do one without the other. You need to create an artist-centered music industry, not a label-centered music industry, which is kind of what we still have now, but an artist-centered one where musicians can be at the top of the pyramid. If you can create that kind of industry, you can go a long way to making things safer for women. It's not going to fix 100% of the problem, but it would go a long way. Because if you want women to be safe in this business, you need to get rid of the exploitation that is inherent in a label-centered music industry, that is inherent in a 
industry that is centered around that god-awful document known as an exclusive recording agreement. And if you want an example of how these two things can feed into each other, look no further than the recent piece about singer Lily Allen that just came out in Vulture, I think yesterday. You can Google it. The article is titled, Lily Allen Says the Music Industry Won't Let Her Escape Her Abuser. And this article talks about how Lily Allen is stuck working with a music executive and she's been stuck with this executive for over 10 years, and this person's abusing her, but she can't leave this abuser because she's stuck in a long-term exclusive recording agreement that forces her to stay with this abuser. The Me Too movement has shown that the culture of abuse that exists throughout the entertainment industry is, is problematic, but the way that the legal structures work in the music business in particular is particularly toxic. So if you read the Vulture article, it quotes Lily Allen and she says, let me see here, in film and TV, you can choose not to work with any of those people again. You can move country, move out of London to LA. You can't do that in music. It's the same bunch of people on both sides of the Atlantic and it's inescapable because it's 15 year long contracts. That was her quote. And yeah, she's absolutely right. And I don't want to make it sound like, by the way, that I'm diminishing the experience of women in TV or film. Those places can suck for women too, and we we look need need look no further than what's happening with like Harvey Weinstein and all these other people. Like, yeah, those industries are problematic for women, but music is uniquely dangerous because of its emphasis on this exclusive recording agreement. These record deals where a person signs something that says you can record. For me and only me, for this producer and only this producer, this executive and only this executive. And this these deals can stretch for one, two, three, four, five albums, which effectively makes these things 10, 15 year contracts. So you're telling a female artist who signs this agreement at, say, 18, that from their music making prime for most female artists, 18 to 30, 33, they have to work with one person or one company, one executive, one producer, one production group. And when you're stuck in that environment where your your music career is inexorably tied to one group and you can't leave lest your whole music career fall apart, the potential for abuse and exploitation is very, very high. And we need to stop this. We need to create a music industry where you as an artist can work with whomever you want, whenever you want on any kind of project. So where does that leave the Recording Academy? Well, the next president, whoever this president can be, can come in there and make changing this culture a priority. They can make things better for women by emphasizing the importance of creating an industry where artists have more power and freedom. And look, they're not going to fix all the problems for women in the music industry. I'm not so rose-colored glasses about all this that one new Neris president is going to completely make things better for women. I'm not naive, but just imagine. Imagine what it would look like if a new president came into power and said, day one, it is the position of the Recording Academy that exclusive recording agreements are abusive and foster a culture of toxic relationships for artists. And thus, we discourage them as an industry. Imagine what that would do. Imagine the message that would send to the labels and to all the producers if somebody in that high up of a position said, it's the position of the Recording Academy that when you are engaged in the business of recording, you should be able to do it with whomever you want, whenever you want, and we need to avoid problematic contracts that force artists into toxic relationships that they can't get out of. 
man, that would make a huge amount of difference. And so I'm hoping that this new president, whoever this new president is, can come at it with that approach. Somebody who's willing to change the game and not just be another business-as-usual Neris president. And I'm not particularly critical of Neil Port now. I thought he was going to lose his job after those comments, but I don't think he's a bad person. And he's done some good things for the music business, but I do think that Neil Portnow is a business-as-usual Neris president. You know, he's, you know he's, he's sort of been there for the status quo of the industry. And what it would be nice to see is if the next person would not be a business-as-usual person, a person who looks to the future, sees what the industry is becoming, and says, let's go to where that is. Because the future of this industry is an artist-centered music industry. It's one where the artists are at the top of the pyramid. It's, it's one where the artists can work with whomever they want, whenever they want. There can be more collaborations. There are fewer barriers between artists and their fans. We all want that industry. And so I want to see a president who sees that and says, let's get there. Because not only would that create a better music industry where better music is made that's better for artists and their fans, but it would absolutely protect women more than what we're doing now. All right, Clara Sharon is coming up next. Keep listening to the Break the Business podcast. Good to be back. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time, my new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business podcast. She is a music industry consultant, blogger, and teacher from Ottawa, Canada. She is also the host of Pop of Color Live, a weekly music industry advice show on Facebook Live, which you can also find on her blog at www.popofcolormusic.com every Monday night. Ladies and gentlemen, Clara Sharon is on the Break the Business podcast. Hey, Clara, great to have you. Oh, hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm so excited to be here. Oh my goodness. Okay. Oh, well, I'm I'm very very excited to have you. I am thrilled to have you in fact because you do great consulting work. You have lots of great blog and video content for indie artists on your blog and I am just so excited to kind of, you know, help amplify what you got going. But I want to start with you with your at the beginning of your journey in your industry, because you started in your music life as a musician. And I'm always interested to hear from people like you who do the consulting stuff on what drew you to make that transition from the performing side to also incorporating advice giving into your work. Uh, how did you make that shift? Well, I was, I was always really, really fascinated with the business and marketing aspect to the point that when I was an artist, I had lots of friends who were artists and I would give them advice and I would help them out and stuff. Uh, and, and it's what drew me. So I went to Canadian Music Week, week, which is conferences during the day, concerts at night with other artists. And I would go to the conferences and I would take a bunch of notes on the panels. And then I would go and have my little business cards that, that said like I was a songwriter and try to hand them to big industry, like business big shots. Uh, so I no one was mean or anything, but I quickly realized that all the business people were like, ugh, another desperate artist wanting my attention. <laughs> and all the artists were like, ugh, my competition. 
So I was, I was sitting in the hotel room and I was like, I gotta do something that sets me slightly apart. Right. So, so then I had this idea for um, starting a, a blog on the industry. So I would, so I would try different marketing techniques from marketing books I read or things I read online or things I tested out and just report back kind of like what worked, what didn't. Yeah. yeah so that's how Pop of Color started. Or did it was, it was, a, I dreamt it up in a hotel room. Um, I kind of did a soft launch, I guess you would say for the first couple months where I, a, where I wanted to test it out without investing a lot of money in it. So I had a free WordPress site and I had my best friend do a, at the time, do a, do a logo in exchange for a cup of coffee. And I, and I just, yeah, just started writing regularly and it just really quickly surpassed just, um, everything I'd ever done in the artistic world. Yeah. Well, of, suddenly I was known as the music industry writer, not the singer songwriter. Well, it's a cool kind of transition that you've made. And I feel like you can tell when you read your blog that there's definitely the soul of a musician in it because it's still a very creative kind of fun blog. And you do some really cool creative things on that site because, you know, there are lots of music blog writers out there who do the, you know, music writers out there or music industry advice people who do the blog thing. But you take it a step further by actually you have a Facebook live show. You put a visual element, you know, you do like television on your music advice. Um, has that been kind of an exciting challenge for you? Do you find that your, your viewers, you know, enjoy that format as opposed to just the written format? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I know I, I get different audiences as well. There's a bit of crossover, but I can get two different types of people. I've, wanted to get I wanted to get into Facebook lives for quite a while but I was struggling to think of a format because I wanted to do something kind of regular because that's what people were saying you got to do it regularly and I knew I was better for like I it's funny I get stage fright when I perform songs I write on my guitar but I feel totally at ease and so bubbly and confident when I talk about the business so I was thinking like what so I was thinking about how could I make some kind of replicable format then I was on YouTube and going through the trending list, and I saw all these American late-night talk shows, you know, discussing American politics. And I was like, hey, once you get past, like, the band and the celebrity guests and the in-house audience, it's just a guy in a desk. That's pretty <laughs> easy to replicate, like, format-wise. So I started doing that on Facebook Live. Wow. So it's like a half an hour or so show, Monday nights, 9 p.m., Eastern Standard Time, you know, like a TV show, once a week. It's got a scheduled time. And it's just me at my desk. And for the first few minutes, I talk about the news of the week. So all the music industry news and how it would impact my audience of independent artists. And then the rest of the presentation is, or the show is either a keynote presentation or I try to do a workshop kind of thing over the net. I really like it because, I, I mean, YouTube was a big revolution and from taking from taking video from the TV perfection and air rushing to the regular people. But now that YouTube with all the ads and everything has gotten so perfect and perfectly polished, it's really lost that authenticity factor. So I think Facebook live is the next way to get the authenticity factor across. And I like that. And I want to speak on panels eventually. And I knew that if I stayed like hidden behind my keyboard, typing articles, no one would know what I sound like. And if I'd be good at delivering keynote speeches at conferences or speaking on panels, at big events, you know? Oh, absolutely. It, it, it definitely distinguishes you in a field that is becoming increasingly more difficult to ex- distinguish yourself because there's a lot of folks out there 
that are giving advice to indie artists, but uh, you incorporate the visual element, which is a cool little niche for yourself. But I want to bring things back to your blog because you do write some great articles too. And you recently on the pop of color blog wrote one of the more delightful articles that I've ever read about the music industry where you came up with a creative way to discuss the dangerous side of record deals, which is of course something we talk about a lot in this podcast by relating those record deals to Disney animal villain sidekicks. Can you tell us what this is about? Okay. Okay. So I was, I was reading on the Donald S. Passman brick, you know, the 500 page hardcover or all you need to know about the music business. And I was on the record labels. Well, then of course there's all like the definitions and the clauses and stuff you need to watch out for from cross collateralization to recruitment of advances and all this kind of stuff. And I was thinking like, you know, if you like did a Buzzfeed style quiz where you just, you know, the type where, you know, build the ultimate ice cream Sunday. But if I did that, build the ultimate evil record deal. <laughs> but instead of an ice cream. So, yeah, so I tied it to um, Disney villain sidekick characters. So if you like to cause pain, you end up with Lucifer from Cinderella. <laughs> if you're a backstabber, you get Call the Snake from the Jungle Book. If you like to tie people to contracts they can never outwit, you've got um, Flotsam and Jetsam, the eels from The Little Mermaid. <laughs> if you're an entitled, privileged a-hole, you get Percy the Pug from Pocahontas. Um, and if you're just really, really annoying, you get, um, oh, what's his name? Iago from Aladdin. Wow, that's quite you know, the <laughs> So there's some difficult, so there's like asking the question. There's a little like bit at the, explaining what certain definitions means is educational too yeah some of them are definition questions others are just like like how many christmas albums would your artist be contractually obligated to record (laughs) and you walk the you walk them through like the dangers of 360 deals and getting trapped in record contracts it's you know i whenever i talk about the dangers of record deals i always have to i'm always very scary and then and, and whenever i'm done talking to the people they're like well i mean i'm informed but now i'm also frightened but you make them laugh so i i think i'm much appreciated clara i'm not 100 against record labels for sure um i think artists need to be smart about mm-hmm. them and i thought it would be a great way to educate them on certain of the terms oh um I... certain of the de- what certain like words mean i mean you know like how many People know what cross collateralization means before they see it, before they study the music business or see their first record deal in front of them. Oh yeah, and it's a very big part of what can make these contracts particularly dangerous. And you know, where basically, folks, if you're you know, if this is a new term for you, we can kind of walk you through what it is because it is important. But you in, go, employer. Oh, right on. Um, so in a standard record deal, um, the you know, generally you have to recoup. Uh, you know, a, a record contract sort of treated like a loan. The bank will advance you, the bank, the, lo- the record company acts like a bank and will front you the cost to make your record and often market promoted it. And before you see any money from your royalties, your royalties have to recoup all of the costs that the record company is advancing on your behalf uh, before you see any money. So it's not that you get paid once all the debt is paid. It's you get paid once your tiny royalties pay off all the debt. But sometimes, even when you do that, you still don't get paid from your record deal because a lot of these record deals have what are known as cross-collateralization clauses. That's a fun phrase, which will connect different segments of your record deal together. So if your record deal is for multiple albums and album, and you don't recoup your balance from album number one, you don't recoup your balance from album number two, and you do recoup it for number three, you still won't get paid until your uh, excess from 
album three recoups your debt from albums one and two. So you can sort of get trapped in like a nasty cycle of debt that, you know, means you'll, you know, for many artists, even very, very famous ones, you'll never make money off your record deal, um, which is as frightening as the uh, scary Disney characters that Clara writes about in her blog article. <laughs> yeah, for sure. If you want to have fun at a bar, play um, Hangman and use cross-collateralization as the word on the napkin. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I, that word drove me crazy. I remember when I was, when I was doing my audiobook, Clara, um, one of the things I discovered about doing audiobooks is apparently it's really hard to read aloud for a long time. Like I thought like I was going to bang out this audiobook in a day and it took me 3 days because it turns out it's really hard to just read. And the chapter on record uh, the you know the chapter of like royalties messed me up the most because I could not for the life of me say cross collateralization correctly without messing it up 5 or 6 times and seeing the sound engineer laughing his butt off in the control room. So that's a so any any word that, that that's that long in a contract you know is going to screw an artist. <laughs> but, um, it's like the ingredient list on fast food. If you can't pronounce it, you should probably put it back. So right, so right. <laughs> I want to talk back more about your um, your Facebook live show because I really do think this is cool and interesting. And I I want very much to encourage artists to do this kind of stuff. I think a lot of artists. I'm trying to always get more artists to podcast and to blog and maybe even to do TV shows like the ones that you're doing, not just, you know, live stream performances, but just like a talk show to allow your fans to get to know who you are as a creator more. So if a artist came up to you and said, I want to start a Facebook live show, I kind of want to do sort of a talk show thing and let my fans into my world a little more, but I don't even know how to get started. Like, what are my first steps if I'm going to build something like this? Figure out what you are passionate about and what you're good at and can talk about that's not just music. Because as, let, let's face it, as great as it is to have your biggest fans be all the other local musicians, eventually if you want to, to um, grow past that, you're going to need to talk to regular people and get fans who are regular people who might not have music the center of their lives. Yeah, they listen to, to music and they go to... They'll go to your show show, and they go to bars or they go to clubs or, or restaurants or coffee shops to see to see live music. But they've probably also got other passions. Maybe they're into to sports or a hobby or healthy lifestyles or cooking or something. So oh, what, what can separate you from other really talented guitar singer-songwriters, piano singer-songwriters, fiddle players, is if you have an, a passion other than that. Wow. That I... I mean, if you don't think you can, my advice is don't jump into it without a little bit of planning. So pull out a notebook or the memo pad on your phone and jot some ideas of things you can talk about, like a a list of topics. You want a list because you don't want to launch into something and dedicate yourself to something and then realize by the second week there's nothing left to talk about. You can check it out at popofcolormusic.com. That's uh, color with a U for us Yanks. Um, and, uh, you check her out on Facebook live. This has been a delight. Uh, everybody should check out what you're doing cause you're making so much great stuff, but I'm excited to ask you this question because of all the great articles you've written. Do you have any last tips to share with us, uh, before, uh, to help the indie artist listeners move their careers forward? Hmm. I would try to find a way to, um, turn your best personality traits into part of your brand. So, for example, I mean, I'm 
human regular downtime Clara is a very complex human as are every as is every human but the bits of my natural personality natural core of who I am are like the bright and colorful and personable and storytelling and bubbly the friendly kind of best friend who's really geeky about the music industry so I found a way to like incorporate that into my brand and make that the the lens in which all my other stuff comes through. So whether it's the writing, the live show, how I talk on social media, how I speak to people at networking events or present that if trying to take the best traits, I mean, some people are, or some people, everyone has different traits. It's, it, it's, but try to lean into the ones that make you feel good, make you feel confident and filter everything through a lens and that's that so you have a consistent voice when it comes to presenting who you are and what you stand for i love it clara sharon everybody check her out at pop of color that with a u music.com this has been such a treat thank you so much for being on the show this week please don't be a stranger we'd love to have you on again real soon all right that was clara sharon everybody She is fantastic. Such a fan of what she's got going on. I think she's smart and insightful and just really next level in terms of embracing the video element with the music industry advice show. Keep an eye on her. Keep an eye on her. Keep following her because she's only going to get more excellent and more awesome with the stuff that she's putting out there. She's going to be one of the more informative people in the music industry advice game for indie artists. So, Oh, what a treat to have her on. I'd love to have her on again real soon. Be sure to check out the Break the Business podcast on all the different social media places you can find us. Facebook.com slash Break the Business, of course. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. And while you're at it, how about you check out my book? That's Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry, available in paperback, audiobook, and ebook. Thank you all so, so much for listening to the Break the Business Podcast. We will see you next week.